radioinfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. As always, we are here in Lawfather headquarters, right within Lawfather Studios, or actually the other way around, Lawfather Studios in Lawfather headquarters. Welcome to the show today. Uh, as always, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Always a fun time on here. Uh, we're jumping to uh, every other week. So those of you who enjoy listening to the podcast and seeing it on, just know that we will be going to every other week for the podcast, starting with this week, off next week, on the following week. It helps us, uh, helps production out with their schedule, helps me out with my schedule. Uh, so as you all know, I actually am a practicing attorney and, uh, you know, sometimes there's actual work other than the uh, broadcast where I can keep you all up to date on what's going on in the legal world, which is what we're going to do today is just take a look at what had some of the bills that were passed. Okay. Definitely not looking at all of them, right? Definitely not getting too detailed and in depth in most of them, but just looking at what bills uh, are coming up that were passed in the legislative session. The legislative session in Florida ended on the 5th, which I believe was uh, last Friday. Um, either way, maybe it was Thursday, not sure. Whatever whatever May 5th was, that's the day. It was Friday, see, Jason Jason with the assist. Uh, the legislati- legislative session uh, ended on Friday. So let's look at some of the things that passed, okay? Um, Here's one that's interesting. It passed, and as of today, looking at the Senate site, now, it's pretty cool. If you didn't know this, right, you can actually go to the Florida Senate or the Florida House of Representatives. You can go to their websites. Each of them have a website, and it talks about all the different bills, uh, and it has a breakdown of the status of each bill. So if you want to know what's going on with a bill in either case, either the House or the Senate, Right, you can you can look up and you can see that, and, and you'll know and have access to what went on in those bills. Okay, uh, so this interesting one is the fact that right now, as Florida law stands, if an elected official in the state of Florida wants to run for president, they have to resign their position. And as that law stands right now, if Governor DeSantis, which we don't know, I don't have any inside information, but you know, if you listen to all the pundits out there, there you go, pundits, Jason, how about that? How about that for a Fox News? I'm ready. Give me a call. All the pundits out there uh, have, have kind of blessed DeSantis as the person running against Trump. Um, in order to do so, right now, as Florida law stands, he would have to resign his position. Now, what's interesting is he's the governor, right? So he signs all the bills. So a bill passes the legislature, passes the House, passes the Senate. Then it goes to Governor DeSantis and he can sign it. He can veto it. He can just let it sit on his desk and die. Uh, Those are are really the things that can happen. And the legislative session is over, right? So so Senate's not coming back. Legislature's not coming back. No one's coming back. It's done. I, I mean, they could have special sessions, but for all intents and purposes, it's done. It's over with, right? Well, the resign to run bill passed, right? And and what what it was or what it is is a bill that passed the House and the Senate saying that amongst other things there were, there were some other election pieces in there nothing that was really earth-shattering, okay? Uh, because the big key is, right? Your headline here is 
that the bill would allow elected officials in Florida to not have to resign in order to run for office, okay, in, in order to run for presidential office, okay? What's interesting here is as of today on the Florida Senate site, that bill was not signed. So as of, let's say the 8th, May 8th, that bill hasn't been signed. And uh, so it passed. It passed the House and the Senate. So it is eligible to become law. It hasn't been signed, though. So really interesting piece there. You would think that, you know, Governor DeSantis would have uh, would have signed that right away. Um, so who knows? Maybe maybe what we all think, maybe what all the pundits out there, I shouldn't say we all, because I don't really have an opinion. I don't know the guy. Um, if I did, I'd ask him. I'm sure he wouldn't tell me. So how about that? Um, you know, just to try to have a feel for what that is. So that, although passed, not law as we sit here today. Okay. And, and most of these laws that we're talking about changing, right? Don't, most of them don't take, have not taken effect yet. Some of them have, but most of them haven't. July 1st is, is usually one of the big dates for bills that pass to become law. January 1st is the next most common one. Okay. But they can make them effective at any time. And we'll see that in one of these was made effective immediately. Uh, here's another really interesting one. The House and Senate passed and, and DeSantis signed a bill allowing the death penalty for child rape convictions. Now, in 2008, the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court said, you can't do that. You cannot institute a law allowing the death penalty for child rape convictions. And, and if you look and you boil this down and you take it back to the really scholarly aspect of it, right? And I find that really interesting. I found I find the scholarly aspect really pretty interesting. I studied criminology, sports management and criminology at University of Tampa. Um, yeah, those two don't really go together, it turns out, right? Um, but once I got done playing, I needed a, needed a career. So criminology it was. Why? I don't know. It didn't really play into being a cop a whole lot. Um, tiny bit, little, little tiny bit, but anyway, we digress. Okay. The criminology aspect to it is what's really interesting to me. That's, that's kind of the scholarly, scholarly aspect when we're talking about the death penalty. Um, and, and when I say it's interesting, look, it, it's always involving something really, really bad that's happened, right? You don't have the death penalty because somebody had a good day. Let's, let's just start there, right? It's a horrendous day for all involved, Right. So, so whatever the case may be, but the scholarly theory goes or the intellectual theory behind why the death penalty is only reserved for cases that involve usually cases that involve a homicide, right? A murder uh, is this, and, and a homicide just is the actual definition of a human killing a human. That's what homicide means. Okay. But the rationale, the intellectual rationale behind it is if somebody commits a crime such as child rape, right, we then don't want them to kill the person, right? And like I said, this is all theoretical, right? But the theoretical goes, if somebody can get the death penalty for child rape, okay, they're more likely to kill their victim because they essentially have nothing to lose, right? They don't have to worry about, hey, if I kill them, they're going to kill me, right? No, that's gone in that scenario. So that's the scholarly piece to it that you look at and you go, is this the right move? Is it the right move to look at and go, hey, we're going to change the law in Florida 
and we're going to say, hey, the death penalty is on the table for those who commit child rape. Now look, right? I would, I would estimate, and I'm sure there's going to be people out there who disagree with this. In my opinion, child rape is a worse crime than murder. Okay. Um, but what if the scholarly thought process is, is accurate, right? What if that thought process of, if I just committed a child rape and I know that I'm, I'm going to get the death penalty that I might as well kill the child. Is that child now worse off because of that? Um, or have we made it better? Have, have we, have we really gotten into what the goal is of our penal system, which is to, you know, punish and correct. Right. And, And I don't, I'm not sure that we have because, you know, I, the reality is I, those are, those are tough crimes. They, they really are. Um, and, and I think the recidivism rate, the, the rate that people recommit that crime is, is probably fairly great. Um, it, it, not probably it is, it is fairly high, right? Uh, murder on the other hand, just as an aside, murder has a very, very low recidivism rate. Uh, murder is usually a crime of passion uh, and it's usually a one-off type of thing. Now, I know all of you on social media out there, you get in the comments and go, yeah, but there's this story and this story and this story and this story. Yes, okay, but we're talking about the whole, right? The, the vast percentage of what goes on, not the, not the minutia, okay? Um, so that, that's what we're looking at there. That's the law. So what, what their intent was, what DeSantis's and the legislators, legislature's intent was in passing that bill was that eventually there'll be a case that comes up, right? It's bound to happen. Right. There's bound to in the state of Florida at some point in the near future, there's bound to be a child rape person's bound to get arrested and charged and most likely convicted of said crime and get the death penalty. And then what's going to happen is it's going to get appealed. Supreme Court's going to go, uh, uh-uh, hold on. We're going to take a look at this. And what the hope is, is that the 2023 Supreme Court and 2023 and into the future, right, because Supreme Court justices they have lifetime positions, so they're not going anywhere. And I believe most of them are fairly young, although Clarence Thomas, Jason, has had some problems um, over the last few weeks. That might be a good podcast episode to look into uh, Clarence Thomas's problems and, and where that's going to lie. I don't know. I keep seeing headlines. Quite frankly, I haven't read any of them past the headlines. Um, but I think Clarence Thomas is a little advanced in age. But I think for the most part, uh, our Supreme Court is is decently young, or at least decently young for a Supreme Court. So uh, by the time a case in Florida matriculates into into that Supreme Court look for the death penalty, we'll have a very, very conservative Supreme Court. And, and 2008, um, 2008 was, was that Bush that was president? Going back a lot of years. Is it, oh, that's right. Oh, it was Obama. So uh, anybody that was appointed around that time, right? would have been um, would have been a, a more liberal court, right? So figure that the ruling in 2008 is thought to be from a more liberal court, whereas a, a ruling in the very near future, 2023, 20, 24, 25, is more likely to be more conservative. All right, so that's the death penalty for child rape convictions and, and what that looks like. Uh, those are all kind of interesting, right? All, all of these are not your like kind of Run of the mill, we're gonna pass a bill to stop potholes in South Tampa. But sure would be nice if they would do that. Um, or, you know, maybe get the city to allow more money for infrastructure to, I don't know, fix the potholes. But anyway, 
how many DUI clients I've had that said, I was just trying to avoid the potholes in South Tampa when I got pulled over for weaving in my land. I'm thinking, yeah, I've driven up how North Howard Ave and uh, middle of the day. Yeah, you're, you're dodging potholes, swerving in the lane. So anyway, uh, restricting China and foreign nationals from owning some agriculture land. Kind of an interesting one. Uh, most likely it's going to get challenged, but the thought being that um, those Chinese nationals who intend to do harm can do so through the food supply. And if you're able to buy agriculture land that is near other agriculture land, you can affect the agriculture land that is providing food. That's where that concept is. Fully expect that at some point that'll get challenged, but that one is interesting. Uh, kind of along the lines of something that's been going on, I think in a lot of other schools and a lot of other places, but there was a bill that passed that is, restri is restricting TikTok in public schools. So I don't know how you feel about TikTok, but it all kind of comes together when we look at that last one, the restricting of agriculture land uh, ownership by Chinese nationals. And, and it's not just Chinese nationals, it's, it's other foreign nationals. Uh, and there's some restrictions based on country and um, there's a lot of different pieces. The United States keeps a list. Um, they call it a blacklist, for lack of a better name. Um, I used to actually, I used to actually work with that. I, I worked at a place where I had to check the this list. Um, it's an OFAC list, I believe, is is what it was. But anyway, it's just ba basically people who do really really bad stuff throughout the world. That if you are an American, you cannot pay said person. That's what that is. Um, so I would assume that the foreign nationals that they're referring to appear on, on one of those lists. Here's a hot topic, right? Really hot topic. We've talked about the main bill from last year on the show. Um, last year, it was the don't say gay bill. Uh, it's the, the parental rights in education. That was the official name of the bill. Um, and we talked about it last year when it passed. Nowhere in that bill does it actually say you can't say the word gay. It, it's protections for uh, elementary school kids, right? Protections for elementary school aged kids in terms of what can be talked about, how it can be talked about. And if memory serves me correctly, uh, there was some mandatory reporting to parents, which as a parent, I completely support, right? That as a parent, I want to know, right? And, and that the original bill really got into, you know, unless there's a danger to the child by telling the parent uh, certain things as it relates to um, gender and, um, and all of that, that, that the school has a duty and an obligation to tell the parents. Um, I like that a lot, right? Um, you know, you never know. You, you never truly know whether or not your kid feels comfortable talking to you about things, but they may open up to a teacher. And, and to me, I go, if they open up to that teacher and that teacher tells me something, anything, right? Maybe I can help, right? Maybe there's something that I can do. Maybe I'm in the minority in that. I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I would sure hope that, that my kids would, would be comfortable coming and talking to me, but you just, you never know. You just, it, it's, it's such an unknown. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we got off a little bit on last year, but on this year, they expanded that some. They expanded the age group on it, so it extends uh, into higher grade levels. But what what the big thing is, is it's, it's really addressing 
the prohibition of gender transition care for minors, okay? Um, look, it is when we talk about gender transition care, we're also talking about hormones. And I, I mean, I remember being a teenager. Jason, you remember being a teenager? Yeah, I mean, hormones are a big thing. Like it's it's part of living and growing up. And, and what I see, you know, and, and I'm not trying to jump into the politics of this, but you know, what is the harm if someone if someone truly feels right that they're in the wrong body and they need to transition to the other gender? Okay, let me just throw this out there for for all of you. I'm just asking it as a question. What's wrong with waiting until that person biologically is mature? Right? What's wrong with waiting to 18, 19, 20, 21, what, whatever that magic age is that you're considered biologically mature, right? That, that your body has developed, your, your hormones have kind of settled out, uh, your, your brain is, is where it's, I guess, kind of end state is in terms of, of growth, right? What is the harm in waiting for that? Like that that's my question, okay? So not jumping into the, is this right, is this wrong, right? But where's the harm in waiting, right? Has anyone done a study to, to look at and discuss these, you know, teenagers, early teens, mid-teens, late teens who thought they wanted to go through a transition, didn't go through a transition, and how they felt afterwards, like as they got to 20, 21, 22, 23, did they then in turn go, I wish I had done it, or I'm glad I did not, right? I, and I don't know, right? But I think that's an important question before we go, hey, 13, 14 year olds, they know what they want and they should be allowed to do what they want, right? And here we go, let them do it, right? You don't, you don't know what you don't know at 13 and 14, 15, 16. Um, I thought I knew everything. I thought I absolutely knew everything there was about life. Um, at 40, I'm figuring out that um, the things that I thought I knew at 16, yeah, they were way wrong, way, way wrong. So, um, just just something to consider on that, okay? Uh, another piece that it prohibits, it prohibits um, minors from going to drag shows. Uh, live sex performances is how it's worded. Um, can't say I disagree with that, I guess. I mean, last time I checked, I mean, we're, Jace, we're pretty big um, strip show capital of, yes. of, the, of the world. Did you say the world or just the United States? Okay, we're, we're like the strip 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 club, not strip show, strip club capital of the United States. Um, I don't think they're allowing seventeen year olds in those. I don't. I'm not even sure are they allowing eighteen year olds. You know the bar business better than I do. Yeah. Okay. So eighteen can get in, right? So I'll give I'll give you eighteen, and I would assume you know, when you're under eighteen, you're a minor, right? So if we're not letting seventeen year olds and younger into say, oh, I don't know, Mons Venus. Right? Why are we saying, well, just because it's a, a, well, Jason, I'm about to get myself in a lot of trouble because I, it, if we, what is the difference between what is considered a straight strip club and a gay strip club? What is the difference, right? If we go, 
you can't go into one, but hey, we think you should be allowed to go into the other because, well, you know, you're taking away our rights. How is that different? Explain to me, if, if someone can give me a, 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 an educated explanation on how that's different, I'm all ears, right? I just don't see how it's different. So I, I don't see why we start drawing lines sometimes on, you know, if it's okay for one, or it's, it's not okay for one, but it's okay for the other uh, when we're talking this scenario. At the end of the day, I don't, I truly don't care who you want to love. Like, I just, I don't. But I also don't need to hear about it, right? But I don't need to hear about it from either way. Like, Jason, we're both married to women. Have we ever talked about anything? Like, that? I just, we just happen to know we're married and we've talked about our wives. And therefore we know that because we've talked about wives, right? We know that they're women. That That's the extent of it. Like, we professionally, we know them as like, like I know what, what his wife's occupation is. Okay, right? I, I don't need to know anything else. Well, I mean, like, you know, like, you get the point. So anyway. Oh, now the fun ones. I <laughs> should have included that in the fun ones, huh? Um, now, this, this one's short because uh, it, it's, it's really in-depth and detail, and, and it probably deserves its own show. But Disney... And DeSantis, actually I meant to say DeSantis first, DeSantis and Disney are still going at it. They are just, right? Uh, and it's actually Reedy Creek and in the most recent bill, they, they didn't actually specify Disney or Reedy Creek, but um, if you read it, sometimes you can word things so that way you can go, this is actually intended for this one specific person. Yeah, that's that's how this one reads. Uh, just know it's an, it's an ongoing saga. It's an ongoing battle. Uh, Reedy Creek is trying to undermine the previous bill and now the state's going we don't like you trying to undermine us so we're going to create a new bill it's going to be a long drawn out fight um those of you who like going to disney well enjoy it um i don't know maybe some of this will make the disney prices go down my god um you need to take out a second mortgage on a house just to go to disney these days anyway um next is everyone's favorite Everybody loves to talk about firearms. Everybody loves guns, right? Guns, guns, guns. Biggest biggest thing we debate, I think, in this country is whether or not we should be allowed to carry guns. Uh, I'll come right out here and say it. I am all for carrying guns safely, safely and legally. Um, I, I think that people should be trained. I think that people should know what they're doing. Um, I think there should be a process that ensures that that person knows what they're doing. Um, look, the reality is, right, six years in law enforcement, I couldn't just go out and carry a gun. A, I had to pass a background check. B, I had to go see a psychologist. Um, amazingly, I passed. Um, but anyway, um, I had to see a psychologist, pass a psych test, and I had to be certified and pass an actual test shooting my gun every year, every single year, from multiple different distances and multiple different scenarios. Okay. It wasn't, it was, I think we, it was a half a day, half a day was testing, not just training, but testing it was like a four hour block uh, of, of our mandatory training that we would do. So, and we had, I think we had to actually do a certain amount of, of firearm hours, firearm training hours, right? Now, granted law enforcement is a little bit different than those of you in the public, but not by a lot, right? The reality is if you're going to carry a gun, you should know how to use the gun. Right? You should know its limitations, right? You should know that a handgun from 25 feet, that's a long shot. Like 25 feet doesn't sound like a lot, right? That's a, that's a hard 
hard shot with just a pistol. It just is, right? I mean, you have a long gun, 25 feet, no big deal, right? I mean, you take an AR and, and um, on one knee or prone, 100 yards, no big deal all day long, boom, 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 right? Um, but 25 feet, I think it was 25 feet, not 25 yards. I, I, Jason, I bet you though, if I'm wrong and it's 25 yards, somebody will go on and tell me that it's yards. Anyway, um, I believe it's 25 feet. It's been, I've been out of law enforcement for 11 years, but anyway, um, it's been a long time. That said, we had to pass. We had to pass an actual practical test every single year. And if you didn't pass, guess what? You kind of got suspended because you couldn't carry a gun, right? I, I mean, kind of went hand in hand. That said, I never saw anybody actually not pass <laughs> firearms training. But anyway, um, so I, th I think there should be some safeguards. But what Florida has done is Florida has gotten rid of the permit process for concealed carry. Now, you can still, I shouldn't say it like that. Florida has gotten rid of the requirement to, to have a permit to concealed carry. All right. What it's called is what the name for it is, is constitutional carry. And what it's saying is that per the United States Constitution, you have a right to carry a firearm. So we as a state of Florida are not going to get involved in that. Therefore, you can conceal a firearm without a permit in the state of Florida. A um, couple things, right? Those of you who travel interstate amongst other states other than Florida, that may cause a problem because now all of a sudden you don't have a permit and those states require a permit. The concealed weapons permits a lot of times have reciprocity. Okay, I have family that I go to and I always carry when I go and I always check the reciprocity and I know the states that I'm driving through and I know that Florida has reciprocity with all of those states that I drive through, right? So it makes it easy. I know you can still get a concealed weapons permit after this becomes law. I think it's July 1st that this actually becomes law. So just keep that in mind. You, you're going to have a bunch of people running around with guns in their waistbands that don't have permits. Um, but it doesn't change the legality, right? So if you, if it was illegal for you to carry a gun prior to the change in the law, it is still illegal for you to carry a gun. It just took out the permitting process, right? The requirement for the permitting process, the permitting process still exists, which honestly is mind-blowing because normally the government wants easy money. And you would think the permitting process is easy money. It's a couple hundred dollars every five years or so for a permit. And, you know, whatever, it's a card. It's probably cost them $2 to, uh, to do. So anyway, that's that. Last, we'll end up when I know we talked about this on a show, uh, tort reform. So Florida did pass a tort reform bill, major overhaul on auto accidents. And uh, I think when we when I covered this before, I don't think the bill had actually passed yet, so we didn't have, there was a lot of unknowns in terms of what it was actually going to look like. Uh, look, the, the legislature seems to feel that there's a lot of frivolous lawsuits and personal injury, and that they were going to limit the, the frivolous lawsuits and personal injury. Uh, however, I don't think they actually consulted a personal injury attorney, either on the plaintiff's or the defense side. Uh, I think they just did whatever the heck they wanted to and said, we're not going to listen to anybody as to what things are actually going to reduce litigation. Um, I think they created more litigation in it. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we used to have, if you were 99% at fault for a crash or your injuries as a result of negligence, you could collect off the 1%. Now think about this for a second, right? 
it wasn't that you were going to, if, if your case was worth $100,000, right? And you were 99% at fault, you weren't getting $100,000. You were getting $1,000, okay? So there was this really inherent, really neat and clean breakdown and division of, well, you know, we were X amount at fault. And it stopped some cases from needing to go to litigation because we, if we were 50 or 51 or 52% at fault, no one was fighting that all that much because it, it didn't make a huge difference in anything, right? It didn't make a huge difference in the actual damage amount, right? So if you were 50% at fault on a $100,000 case, well, then you get 50,000, right? If you're 51%, you get 49,000. It's that simple, right? So it's that kind of trickle down, that kind of breakdown. And and no one's truly fighting over $1,000, right? 50 to 49 to 48. No, you're just not. You're not fighting over that. You're not litigating over that. Heck, it cost me $500 to file and serve a lawsuit. You think I'm going to recommend to my client over $1,000 that they might get to have a lawsuit filed and served and do everything that goes into litigation? No, they're going to make they're going to end up worse off, right? Well, they went ahead and, like I said, they didn't They didn't consult with anybody. They didn't consult with plaintiff or defense, I don't think. Well, maybe if they did, they probably talked to the wrong people. <laughs> they probably just talked to the people who don't actually do this. I have no idea. Maybe we can find out. Maybe we can have, Jason, maybe we can have somebody on someday. I asked somebody and uh, I got a polite decline, but maybe I can find somebody else to... Uh, to come on and, and maybe see where the, where the rationale was because what I see happening is now, if you're 51% at fault, you get zero, right? And what I, what I envision is there's going to be more lawsuits because the insurance companies are going to go, well, we think, we think there's a good chance we can show that you're 51% at fault, so we're gonna pay you zero, right? And then what we're gonna say is, well, we think we can get to 50%, right? Here we go, four-way stop, both cars go, who ran the stop sign type of thing. Um, and what are we going to do? We're going to litigate. Now, granted, a lot of times we're litigating those cases anyway, but there are, you know, it's probably, of all things, it's probably 50-50 when we actually litigate, litigate those cases or file a lawsuit on those cases that are 50-50. Um, about 50% of the time they resolve without the need and about 50% of the time they don't. Um, so that's that one piece. And they shorten the statute of limitations. So instead of having four years from the date that the crash happened or the incident happened, you'll have two years. That's also going to create more lawsuits because if I have a case that's kind of dragging and dragging and dragging and dragging for whatever reason, it happens, right? Usually bigger cases, more medical treatment, just more pieces to the puzzle sometimes, and, and maybe we're ongoing negotiations. Well, I'm going to have to file, right? A year and a half in, I'm going to have to file instead of three and a half years in, right? So probably going to see more lawsuits. I actually didn't really do anything that's going to stop lawsuits. I think they created more lawsuits. Um, if we really wanted to get rid of lawsuits in the state of Florida, we would get rid of PIP and that mess because that creates a lot of lawsuits and a lot of attorney fees. Personal injury cases do not. But like I said, the legislature, they didn't call me. They didn't ask me my opinion. So that's what we got. So how about that? That is your legislative update from the Law Father. Law Father out.